Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. Mean 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 teenager teenager mean teenager Welcome to another episode of Mean Ages. I'm Madeline West here with my glorious friend, the learned Angela Murray. How are you today, Ange? Very, very sparkly, Madeline. She's got sparkly nails, everyone. It's a little tribute to the festive season, and that is what we're going to talk about today. We have had a whole bunch of questions sent our way, most of them centering on the festive season. We're on the we're on the short runway heading towards Christmas right now. And it is a time of year which should be filled with wreaths and joys and families reconnecting meaningfully. And yet it is one that many of us approach with a real sense of dread. Tell me, Anne, from your learned perspective, why is the festive season a period when we see so many of the darker components of human behavior come to light, i.e. depression? We see the rates of alcoholism go through the roof, domestic violence, suicide. Why is it this time of the year when we should all be together as a community? Why is it such a difficult time of year to navigate? I guess I don't actually know the answer to that specifically, but I thought when I think about the words you were just saying, there is just so much expectation and perfection and wonder associated with that image. There is so... Everything is right. And unfortunately, we live in reality. And we live with a bunch of humans that are imperfect and different to each other and have all their own expectations, which are different to each other. And then we try to put them all in the same room. You see it in the sense that everyone, there is a great rush to, let's all get together and have a drink. Let's get together and have a meal before Christmas. This frenzied need to connect before the big day. And that pressure, I'm sure, plays havoc in families. It does. And I think the message behind the frenzy as well is part that plays havoc, not just in families, but in society, that we should have someone that we want to spend time with. We should have this group of humans that we like and want to sit down and connect with. Or we should have people that want to do that with us. And the reality is that not everybody has that. Not everyone has the means to do that. Not everyone has the capacity to not work for that day or have their kids for that day or sit in the same room as their own mother on that day. So in that light, how do you feel the expectations around Christmas affect teens? 
What are you seeing in your clinic in the run-up to Christmas? Well, I love my teens and my teens are actually remarkably resilient and quite buoyant creatures and have very loud voices in comparison to, I think, a lot of teens historically or the teens I even went to school with. And I think that the, this is part of the problem is society has actually grown wonderfully, don't get me wrong, so, so wonderfully in the past couple of generations that it's phenomenal that kids can express themselves and teens can be the teen with, you know, eight earrings in one ear and three in the other. And Do you think teens, without going off on too much of a tangent, the teen has actually become a recognised age group because traditionally it was children and then suddenly you're an adult and we saw teens being sent off to war and suddenly being asked to pick up the mantle of adulthood at a very young age. And now we seem to be working towards an era where we honour the rite of passage that is teendom and at the same time where they're going, you can't do that, that's wrong, or back in my day. And I think Christmas is perhaps a time where that gets exacerbated more than ever because there's this sense of, no, you need to be part of the family, you need to show up at the Christmas table, we're inviting the entire family to come and stay with us. So that need for a teen to assert their identity and hang out with their peer group, which we know from our numerous chats is their primary village, uh, seems to get thrown out of the window. It does a lot and our acknowledgement that our teen is different to everybody at the table gets forgotten in that moment or the acknowledgement that one of those grandparents or one of those aunts and uncles are straighter than we remember, about that, straighter than we remember and that they're going to say something to our teen and we forget Mm. the fragility of our teen's ego, of their self-esteem, of their whole grounding and we shove them into this, you know, we talk about COVID and it's uncertainty I don't think there's a lot more uncertain than shoving a bunch of family members in a room together at Christmas. You know, for some, it's a beautiful experience. It really is. Mm. And I think we have to figure out how it can be a positive experience this week or so of this festivity for everyone. And so, Including our teens. Including our teens. There is a tendency for us to kind of go, like you said, Good old Uncle George goes, why have you got those in your ears? Or what are you doing with your hair? And why have you painted your nails? And there is a tendency. Exactly. There is a tendency for us all to go, well, this is a poor reflection on my parenting. And say, yeah, why do you do that? As opposed to appreciating that that's their individualism. So how do we make teens feel included in the Christmas festivities? And here we go back to all our other podcasts. Our exclusion of our teen on Christmas Day or at these events during Christmas will be based on our stuff and not theirs. Right. When somebody's having a go at their earrings, we take it as a stab on our parenting and then we feel destabilised in our parenting and feel anxious and then we project it onto the teen in order to remove our own discomfort. And so it's before we go into these moments, this comes back again to communication and connection with our teen And it's sitting down before the events and it's saying, okay, let's go through who's coming. Who do you find the hardest? This is who I find the hardest. Who do you find the hardest? And how are we going to do it together? Is it important to check in with your teen before you start inviting people into the household? It would have to be a really critical um, connection or lack of connection or I guess a sense of abuse in some way to exclude a family member based on that if the family member was an active part of the family and they normally came and were a not too offensive participant 
there can be ways and boundaries put in place without a wall of exclusion to create safety for you and your team. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that might be if they're only there for two hours, that might be the time the teen's out with their friends doing something else. You might just give them permission to bail on this event, babe. They're coming. Go and catch up with a friend. So the more we discuss our expectations and what's happening, the more we ask them what their needs and wants are around that and how best we can support them to have those in place and then let them know our needs and wants and then have a bit of a negotiate. It's like, no, you're not off the hook with every family event in the next two weeks, even though you have a wonderful group of friends and you want to go socialise and your hair looks fabulous. You can go out of the house, but these are the events that I need you to attend. Mm. What are the things in your calendar that feel imperative for you? And is part of that having open conversations about what they can expect because let's be frank Christmas is the season to be jolly and I'm talking about alcohol consumption and and, not the teens yes and sometimes it goes too far and it can make certainly family certain family members a little bit more boisterous is it important to have a conversation with your teens with your kids at large about okay there is a good chance that this is going to happen this is why it's happening just so they're alert that this is not normal everyday behavior You know, you will be faced with people that either use, you know, too much alcohol or get really big feelings and overflow on Christmas because of all the things combined and things Mm. may be said or things may be acted out that are really uncomfortable for everybody else. But let's face it, it's probably not the first time it's happened Mm -hmm. and there's a red hot chance that we have a bit of an inkling where it's going to happen and what it's going to look like. And saying to your teen in that conversation we were talking about before, it's like, well, I actually feel a bit uncomfortable when X, Y, Z does this specific behaviour and this is what I do to make myself feel a bit more comfortable. Does that upset you or is there anything else that you find uncomfortable and what do you do and can I support you in that? So in that sense, is there any value in workshopping what everyone wants Christmas to look like? If you know there's a pattern there, it's unhealthy and no one's enjoying it, you have to say, well, Stuff Christmas, why the hell are we doing it? Why don't we just go down to a park and have a picnic? Why don't we all just do drive-through at McDonald's or get Subway? Is is it too much of an expectation to, to put on a teen, to put on your kids to say, how would you like to do Christmas? I guess you need to preface that. If you're going to go with what they say, sure, knock your socks off. But if you're going to block a continue to do Sundays. what you want to do anyway, preface it with, I'm interested, however, yeah. I'm still doing these things because you don't want to get their expectations up and then just to shut them down. Like I really remember that with my kids and all the, I guess, the teens they work with and their parents. It's like if you're going to ask a question, make sure that you're willing to hear their answer. And if you're going to ask a yes or no question, make sure you're equally willing to hear yes as you are to hear no. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, just don't ask. Because otherwise the team will feel disempowered rather than you just doing it anyway. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Now, as we said at the top of the episode, mm-hmm. Christmas in the modern era does evoke as much a, a sense of wonder as it does dread and a fair bit of anxiety, and that's certainly true for our teens. So how do we tackle Christmas in terms of communicating with our teenagers, communicating with family members to make sure that it is in some sense a pleasurable event and not just another onerous chore? Well, I guess for our teens the best learning for them is us figuring out what we want and modelling our boundaries with our family members. Can you unpack that for me? Like, Give me an example. There's Uncle Joe. Okay, so we have to remember as a baseline rule People are as they are, and there's a red hot chance they're not going to change just because they asked them to. Yeah. You know, they're going to stay the same. And now we need to figure out how to keep ourselves safe if they're going to remain just as they are. Mm. And so if you have a Grandpa Joe or Uncle Joe or whoever, sorry, Joe's of the world, but so Joe has a go at your teenager about something about their physical appearance every year. Yep. Yeah. And you know it's coming. You know it's coming. And so there's a model in which we can say, okay, we can make it funny. We can say with the teen, okay, so Uncle Joe has a go at you every year. What was it last year? What do you reckon it's going to be this year? And what Ah. time do you reckon it's going to happen by? Because I reckon it's going to happen by lunch and then you have to do the dishes. When do you think it's going to happen? So we can actually turn it into an opportunity for connection and bonding. And if we feel bonded and heard and seen, we feel safer. All of a sudden, when that comment comes out, it's an opportunity to connect with my parent rather than be rejected by the family. So the core family becomes a united front as opposed to knowing that this is going to be said and maybe I'm going to side with them and no matter what, my teen is going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, and the teen's internal state might be, oh, yeah, that's what everybody thinks actually of this and, of course, everyone's staring at my earring. But if we've discussed it before and it's a point of bonding and joke, all of a sudden that becomes safe. It becomes something they're actually looking forward to rather than anxious about. It makes so much sense. Now here's here's a tricky one. Mm-hmm. We've talked about united family un- units and tackling Christmas. What about where there are custody issues? What's the best way to tackle that when there is a divided household? And let's be frank, everyone out there listening, Ange and I are both in this situation. What's the best way in your experience, both clinical and personal, to tackle that? Well, in my clinical and personal, the best way to tackle it in an ideal world is child first. So teens' needs need to be prioritised because they did not choose the situation. A lot of families, I think, may lean on their teen. I'm not sure what it's for or if it's to try to meet their needs due to their own anxiety, but there's a question, who would you like to spend Christmas with or who do you want to do this with or what days do you want to do? In any separated situation, even the most amicable, the child when placed in a position when they have to make a choice between a parent, it is a massive source of anxiety and it's too big for the teen to handle. Their buckets are already full. Mm. And any sense of Christmas being a time of union and getting together and and sharing love goes straight out the window. And anything that goes wrong at Christmas, any family feeling or parent feeling, is their fault. Because oh, they've made a choice. They've made the choice. And all of a sudden, all the fallout from that choice is theirs. But as a rule, I would say parents try to make the decision, whether that's with mediation or whether that's just based on your custody arrangement as it stands, mm. 
but do it before the silly season starts. I know it's a bit late for that, but even those little decisions, try and make them and become clear on them and then just communicate them to the child. And if they have a massive problem with it, they'll push back and then we get to hear their opinion. But if we ask for it, we put them in a position of a really heavy weight. Yeah. And look, let's be honest, as much as it makes us uncomfortable, that's a teen's job to push back. That's them forging a path towards the adult that they will become. But in this moment right now, they're still our child. That's a really important thing to remember with our teens is that they are still our child and they actually still, as a whole, even though they pretend they don't a lot, they love the magic. Oh, of course they do. And we treat them as if they don't want to come and see the dressed up Christmas lights. And they will act as if they don't because that's their job. But at the heart of it, a lot of the teens want the magic of Christmas. They don't want the family fights and all that stuff, but it comes with it. But if we say to them, oh, you probably won't want to go see the Christmas lights, that's cool. We'll just nip out and go see them and come back. They will stay that teenager and they'll say, yeah, that's fine. But if we push them to come and say, this is a family thing, we're going to drive around and look at some stupid Christmas lights (laughs) and, you know, get a nice hot chocolate to drive around with in the car or, you know, something else that they like, they'll love it. And decorating the Christmas tree. If you've got younger siblings, don't leave the teen out of that process. Because then they feel excluded and they feel like they're forced into adulthood As long as you know it's something that isn't going to make them feel ashamed or uncomfortable, like Uncle Joe commenting about your your earrings, um, make them be part of the joy because they love the magic. And balance that out with their time with their peers, which they also love. Give them their magic and give them their peers. Like I know teens love having little Christmas gatherings with their friends. It might not be on Christmas Day. It might be a bit later, but them arranging something special with their friends that's a bit Christmassy makes them feel a little bit adult, a little bit of magic, but a little bit looked after. Yes. That's just really. So should you be offering to let your teens have a Christmas party in your home? Okay, so party is a strong word. (laughs) (laughs) You were going with gathering. I've just gone straight to party. very selective word that I use there. But if you want to go party, not kiss up stuff. But it might just be one friend and it might be a special dinner. And that's a way we can connect with our teens is take them shopping for something to wear to Christmas. Something special, even if it's just some sparkly earrings, you know, a little Christmas tree, just something silly, something to connect them with it that you get to connect to. Or a sparkly manicure. Oh, yeah, I love my sparkly manicure. It's really just (laughs) They're very sparkly. They are sparkly. But the part with loneliness, coming back to that, is something that I think historically for depression and loneliness and that sense of I don't have enough or we're less than or I'm not that connected there used to be a treatment when people were suicidal in their dark depths of time and it was go and do something for someone else. And I know that even for my kids today when we went down to the ridiculous shopping centre, Big W, and went to buy some stuff because they had a bit of pocket money from early, you know, gifting um, and they wanted to buy some things and they saw the tree at the front and they said, what are the presents under the tree? And I said, oh, they're for children that don't have any presents because they don't have family or they don't have enough money or they don't have enough food or whatever it is. And they said, can we get something while we're in the store? And I said, absolutely. And that was their favourite thing to choose in the store that day. And they loved running out and popping it under and then running out of the shop. And it's that sense. It's like 
just to take, if you don't have enough to provide, you know, what you think is the perfect Christmas, what you have is humanness Mm. and what you have is kindness and magic and humanity. And I think that is really what Christmas is about. And if we can get our teens to meet us there, their hearts are so big, they will feel it. We'll be back next week with more Meanagers, but you can keep the conversation going by joining us on Instagram. We're Meanagers Podcast. You'll find a link in the show notes and in our bio to help you leave a voice message about your Meanager troubles so you can be part of the show. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.